What's going on, Badger fans? We got Coach's Corner, Coach Anderson coming on. We're going to talk about the Rutgers games and the aftermath. Some some thoughts with receivers, quarterbacks snapping offensive line. We're going to get into all that and touch on Iowa coming up as well on today's Locked On Badgers. Let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? One of my favorite shows every week. We're doing Coach's Corner. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers bet $5, get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we are wasting no more time. We're getting Coach Anderson. Coach, I, I want to start here, man. I want to dive right into it. There's no time for pleasantries when you come on the show because i got to get every bit of football knowledge out of your brain onto the airwaves. I want to start here with a comment you made in the live show. We talked about it. We said, we're going to talk about this more in Coach's Corner. We were There was frustrations about receivers dropping balls or or at least not making some of the contested catches. I want to be fair. Not every drop is is the same. Yeah. And you had mentioned something in the chat about uh, receivers not the biggest issue or not close to the biggest issue. And I said, that's an interesting point. I'm going to pin that and let's talk about it when we get Coach on the show. Coach, what do you mean by that comment? In my, in my opinion, I think the offensive line is the biggest problem. And a lot of our mistakes outside, you know, drop passes are one thing. You know, fumbles are another thing, stupid penalties. But when we're thinking football, the lack of offensive line play has affected the passing game with bad snaps, mess with timing, miss blocks, mess with timing, timing, doesn't get the ball out on time to the receivers, obviously. So it, it slows everything down or it speeds everything up. And when we get stuff like that, an offense that is so timing based as the air raid isn't going to work. And receivers might be open when they are supposed to be open, but Tanner Mordecai is not ready to throw the ball yet or he's already thinking about escaping because he feels somebody breathing down his neck from the backside. So it's a real, it's easy to see the mistakes of the, of the receivers because when they drop passes, et cetera, but really our offensive line play tackles, especially I I keep saying it every week and I do not mean to, to pile on the kid, but Jack Nelson is really having a bad season in my opinion, um, his pass blocking, you put anybody with speed in front of him and he has problems. Riley Mullman, you put anybody with speed in front of him, he has problems. This last week, on top of his bad uh, snaps, Tanner Borlini, you put somebody with strength in front of him, he's going to get a a stiff arm to the neck and he's going to get driven straight back. Everything rolls downhill from there. So... As much as we want, you know, I see some people calling for Mike Brown's job, which is really stupid. Yeah, that's um, what, what is he supposed to do? His receivers are getting to where they're supposed to be most of the time when they're supposed to be there, but the ball isn't there yet or the ball is already gone. So it's, yeah. it's not that simple to just say the receivers are playing bad. They're not playing good. I will say that. I mean, you know, especially like, like CJ – I think is having issues where you can tell he's young. He's a kid. He's a true sophomore. 
who hasn't played a lot of football at the collegiate level and learning an entirely new offense or at least a, a new uh, version of it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that plays into it. Here, here's what I would say. To, so I, I want to keep talking about the offensive line. I want to talk about snaps more. I want to mm-hmm. talk about what this might say about the people not pushing maybe at, at left tackle and right tackle. But is there also just a point though, where let, let's say everything, um, the offensive line criticism is more to which I think mostly is right. We've, we've talked about that before on this show. Mm-hmm. You still got the ball to Mordecai and he still got it to receiver at that point. Okay. You, you, now you need, you do need to make those plays. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yep. where you're right. It's super easy as a fan to see that that is highlighted for everybody that drops and it's harder to see the pass protection and some of the schemes there, mm-hmm. but make it at some point, Skyler Bell, you have to make a catch. Yeah. You, you have to, you're over three on those. And that last one was hard. That's a hard catch to make, but yeah. it wasn't even a competitive attempt. It felt like it hit his face. Fast. Still hit him in the face. mode. Exactly. And at the end of the day, when, and again, when people complain about, you know, Mike Brown or anything like what's his coaching point going to be on like on that catch the ball, right. itch in the face mask. Right. And you know, it's, it, it's again, we keep saying it every week and it's, it's almost to a cliche, but it comes down to execution and our receivers are not executing at the level that they should be. And I believe, and I'm sure they would agree. Our offensive line definitely isn't doing it. Um, I mean, honestly, if we look at the entire offense, the, the, the guys that I can say who are executing at as high a level as possible are Tanner Mordecai, Tucker Ashcraft, Ches Malusi until he got hurt, and Will Pauling. You know, they, they, they have been consistent. Jackson Aker has been consistent. Mm-hmm. It, Joe Huber has been consistent. He's not consistently great, but he's consistent. And Roger DK on that. DK DK's hit, he, he's hit and miss because he's he's a solid receiver. He's a good blocker. He does a lot of good things, but his shortcomings have kind of been shown very much this year. His inability to get off a of press, his inability to deal with with uh, physical DBs, they have been issues, and he's dropped a couple balls. Mm-hmm. But it's it just comes down to execution and we keep saying it and, but it is, it, it's, we've shown enough this year that it has nothing to do with scheme, has nothing to do with coaching, why things aren't working. It's, they just have to do it. Cause I, I, I strongly believe we're in any other offense with these same guys, nothing changes. Well, it could be worse, right? If we exactly, had exactly. last year's office with these same guys, it would be worse. Mm-hmm. Let me push back on you on, on, and not pushback. That's the wrong term. I just want to get your perspective on this because mm-hmm. you're obviously a coach. You're, you're talking from a coaching perspective, right? What about the fan or what about the non-coach who watched a lot of football and says, well, there, there isn't there an element of putting your players in a better position to execute? Isn't there an element of execution that comes with coaching? Like, is it is it really all on the players? No, but it's always, there's always, yeah, we're all, I mean, the coach is always going to take the blame for it. Mm-hmm. For, for every drop, I guarantee Mike Brown is, is you put him in front of the media. He's going to say, yeah, every one of those are on me. Well, let, let and, me say that. And, 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 and sorry, let me rephrase that just a second. Yeah. I think you're right. I think coaches act as umbrellas for players, right? Good. A lot of good coaches do. They take that criticism, mm-hmm. but maybe instead of 
using maybe it's using Skylar Bell like on shorter routes. He's pretty explosive mm-hmm. in, in the short field. Uh, maybe it's getting him more touches like that. You know, yeah. maybe the first touch for Skylar Bell shouldn't be like down the field on a contested catch. Maybe, and that, and that could be, and it might just come down to the routes that he runs are the ones that they're comfortable with him running. And he show you know he shows that he can do it. Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't be on the field in those situations if they didn't think he could do it. And he's just not executing. It's the same with the offensive line. And you know it's probably going to talk about what we might uh, with some of these other guys later. But the reason why some of the other guys aren't on the field is because they're not pushing the guys above them. And so right now, what we have on the field is the best guys we got. And the coaches put them in the best situations that they can to maximize their abilities. But at the end of the day, it's not like we're doing much that is that overly complicated. Mm-hmm. It's and, 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 and it would also be different if we weren't executing most of the time. You know, we're, we're doing okay. We're, we're four and one. We're, we're, we're averaging over 400 yards a game of offense. Mm-hmm. It's working. Maybe not as much as we had hoped, but even with all the stuff that we're talking about, we're still an above average Wisconsin offense. And so, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and all those kind of phrases, but you know, it's, we're doing what we're supposed to. We just need to do it more often. Yeah, it, that's a really good point. Wisconsin's averaging over 30, 30 points a game, mm-hmm. right? With with a lot of teething issues on offense, Wisconsin is over 30 points a game. That's that's not yeah. – shouldn't lose sight of that. Uh, coming up, I want to continue talking about the offensive line and talk about the snaps. Uh, I think we just need to talk about the snaps. Yeah. We're going to do that next on Lockdown Badgers, but first a quick break. Uh, for our friends of the show over at FanDuel, our good friends of the show, America's number one sportsbook. It's the place I use to to lay out all my futures, right? All my prop bets and parlays. Uh, Phoenix Suns are about to start playing 49ers. Brock Purdy looks a, like a uh, future Hall of Famer. Hyperbole, yes. But I'm in on the 49ers winning a Super Bowl. Brock Purdy is ridiculously good this year. Braves in the World Series. I use FanDuel for all of this. Safe, secure, incredibly easy to use. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off Sunday ticket from YouTube, YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and the event, again, everything you want, every sport, props, uh, parlays, futures, it's all there. Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you do not want to miss. Uh, let's bring Coach back on. Coach, I teased it uh, before. Like, why can't – it feels like the snaps aren't just consistently bad. It almost feels like they got worse against Rutgers. That, to me, was maybe the most egregious part of the game. Tanner Mordecai looked like a shortstop on some of those. Yeah. What, how is this not getting better? I, I think kind of like we talked about sometimes with Jack Nelson, I think Tanner Borley got in his head a little bit. I think that nose tackle got in his head a little bit uh, because he was – I think he was worried more about blocking him than he was about snapping the ball. And there were a lot of instances where he just got driven straight back after the snap. And maybe he was rushing things. I don't know. I can't really, you know, see from the angle how if his if his hands moving at a different speed or anything like that. But he's just not a center. And the unfortunate thing with Renfro is part of me is wondering if he is more hurt than we were ever led on to believe. 
or he has the yips or something like that. Cause I, I can't imagine that if he was anything close to being ready, that he wouldn't be out there. Agreed. And also what really kind of shocks me with how much Wisconsin over the past has, has built their offensive line around these multifunctional offensive linemen who can play two or three different spots that we don't have a backup center or we don't have more than one person on the roster who can snap. Like I guess Dylan Barrett, but I mean, there's a reason why he's not playing and there's a reason why they coax Michael Furtney to come back for a sixth year when he wanted to transfer is they don't think these guys who aren't in yet are ready and includes the center. Um, I think sooner rather than later, Renfro is going to be in there. I mean, he's been practicing. So I think it's just going to come down to, yeah, just him being ready because, yeah, borderline is not the answer. It is getting worse. And and what, what really gets me is, like, he's they did some new things with him this week where he's snapping the ball and then pulling it out in pass protection. That's next level stuff. And he does it flawlessly. But when you just ask him, just like, all right, just snap the ball back to Tanner normally and just block guy in front of you, he couldn't do it. And it's it's odd. You mentioned the timing of it. Quarterback is, is essentially the most cerebral spot, at least in American sports. I don't know all mm-hmm. the sports in the world, but you have to process so much information. I mean, what does that do to a quarterback, right? When pre-snap, you're actually – you can see Tanner almost bracing himself, like literally mm-hmm. in the pocket, trying to figure out where the snap's going to go. So in that moment, he's not looking at the safety. He's not right. reading the defense. He is, where is this snap going to go? How, like that can't, I know the coaching staff, and again, this is the coaching staff, I think to some degree taking bullets for, for Tanner. They said not, you know, the, the message has been kind of through the media. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is clearly a big deal, and it, it's got to impact Tanner and his processing. Oh, for sure. I mean, the entire passing game, the entire drop back passing game is built on timing the routes to Tanner's footwork. Everything is timed up and Phil Longo gives the quarterbacks freedom to adjust their footwork to make sure that when their back foot hits the, hits the ground, they're ready to throw the football. When the snap is off, everything from then on is a half a snap, a half a step off. Good, good centers can snap a football and it will hit the quarterback on his hands with the laces on his hands every single time. And that allows the quarterback to speed up their process. I haven't seen Jake Renfro snap, but obviously he's an all-conference center. I'm sure his snaps are somewhere in that, in that general range. And that allows the quarterback to speed up the process and then slow down his post-snap decision-making. Now Tanner has to find the football. Mm-hmm. He actually had to actively look for the football and then get into his process. And there's, this is a reason why a lot of these routes are not open is the timing is completely screwed up and the snap is a huge part of it. Let me, let me talk about um, the, the rent pro situation too, because I'm curious on your take on here. I've been kind of putting the brakes on this with people who are, who keep saying once Renfro gets back, once Renfro gets back, this is a dude who hasn't played in, in a long time mm-hmm. now. It's spring practice, most of fall practice, hasn't played this year. Missed last year with injury. I think people forget, like, last year was mm-hmm. a wash for him as well. 
I don't know if it's realistic, man. Obviously, he's practicing somewhat. He's a, he is a veteran. Um, a by all accounts, he, he's a gamer. But I don't know how realistic it is to stick a guy who hasn't played in a year and a half in the middle of Big Ten football. And that could, and that might be why, like last week against Rutgers, why they didn't bring him in is that it might have been more bad than good to just throw him in there. They thought they could win the game with Wardley. And so they're slowly bringing him up to speed to get him to where he's supposed to be. But by all accounts in spring and in fall camp, when he was healthy, he was the guy. Mm-hmm. He, he, he didn't show many signs of rust. Um, and that's important, but they want, I think they're being very careful because his next injury could be his last, you know, he's, he's getting to a point where eventually if you keep getting these season ending injuries, you start thinking about going pro in something other than sports. Um, so they're probably being careful and, who knows? They might be pushing things to see if he might not be a hundred percent pushing for a medical hardship or, you know, waiting as long as they can and seeing if they can use him and redshirt him. Who knows? Um, in all indications is they want him back. They think he can help the team. They think it would help the team to put Borlini back at guard. And I think it would, I think Michael Fertney would be going straight out and Borlini be going right next to him. And, that would be a plus, but you know, it's, we're going to have to see. And I, I think they're being careful with Renfro. I think maybe we're getting a little excited because again, he's one of those transfer guys who came with one of the few transfer guys who came in with, you know, accolades, all conference guy. And he was the missing piece. We don't have a center. Oh, great. Yes. He's going to fit. And then he's hurt. And, you know, I, it's it's hard not to be excited and wanting him to get in there, but we can't rush him because if we don't, if we do, and he gets hurt again, then we're stuck anyways. So, so Borderline's gonna have to get better eventually. He's played center before, and yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna sh- it's gonna show. I, I guarantee you, we're gonna pick up a center in in the portal. Yeah, I agree. This off season, if not more than one. Um, because it, this really shows the importance of having a good center. Look at Wisconsin's offensive line the last couple of years. You know, our offensive line has regressed over the last few years. Joe Tipman did not. And he made us look a lot better than maybe we were having a solid guy like that up the middle. Yeah, and we've had we've that. had solid guys up the middle the last For few years. Time. And that's kind of kind of been been our thing, which again makes me wonder why we didn't have somebody waiting in the wings that we needed to go to the transfer portal to pick up a center in, in it, do, it kind of doesn't make sense with the way we've brought off into alignment over the years that there wasn't somebody there, but that's how it was. Yeah. It's funny in the, in the off season, the transfer portal rankings, I, I had Mordecai number one, obviously in terms of impact players this year that Wisconsin got Mordecai was one. I, I had Renfro too. I just thought mm-hmm. he was a plug and play. Uh, I, I thought the level of importance he, he was bringing in, everyone was excited about the receivers and Varner. I'm like, this guy's a plug and play starter. He's so important for what they want to do this year and to not have him. Uh, unfortunately, he will, he is really important and they haven't yeah. been able to get him. I want to give you credit quick, coach. You talked about mm-hmm. coming out of the bye week, tackling would look better. The coaches would grind on that. 
they, they looked much more sound against Rutgers. What did you pick up from the defense this week watching uh, on the rewatch? They looked a lot more comfortable. I, you know, you notice the, the previous weeks, a lot of guys were, was kind of either half a step slow or half a step fast. And they were getting themselves out of position this last week. They seemed a lot more under control. Uh, I think they focused a lot more on fundamentals and making sure they get their keys, right. That was an improvement. Um, I think the style of offense that Rutgers played helped play into that and allowed them to play more assignment football. Uh, which is something they needed. When, when you open the season against three out of four teams that are actively trying to get you to not play assignment football, that can be really tough on a defense, especially when you're learning a new system. But against Rutgers, they were able to relax. They were able, Rutgers played slower tempo, much slower tempo, and it allowed them to just lock in on fundamentals. And that was really good to see. Um, tackling improved. A lot fun. It was fundamental tackling that was way better. You know, they were in better position. Uh, they made better contact. You know, they weren't diving at at thighs like they were before. Um, so you can definitely tell they had a good point of emphasis during the bye to work on the fundamentals. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, coming up, we're going to talk Iowa a little bit. Uh, where does Coach see that one going? And I want to ask him about a game management situation too, and just get his feel on that. But first, a quick break for our friends of the show. Um, today's friends of the show over at LinkedIn. I've talked about LinkedIn a lot. LinkedIn is the number one hiring platform that, that small businesses use. It is a great tool to find the right people to bring into your organization, a great tool to not get the people in your organization. You have no business interviewing for a job. They have screening tools that filter out the applicants that have no business coming through that interview door. Saves you time. Saving time saves money. That is what LinkedIn is all about. It's a professional network. It's something I use. It's something the company I'm involved with uses. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post a job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Uh, let's bring Coach back in. Coach, I want to start here before we get to Iowa. There was one game management situation. I, I kind of fouled in my head. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to ask Coach about that one um, on Wednesday. Before the half, uh, Rutgers had the ball. Wisconsin's up 10-0. Rutgers is driving. It was that last drive they had before, obviously, the pick six. So at the end, this is moot. But the decision-making is always important, right? Um, Rutgers has the ball. There's a minute left. Wisconsin has all their timeouts. They get down to the two-yard line, three-yard line on a whimsic run. Clock is running. No timeout from Wisconsin. Another inside handoff. Clock continues to run. What did you think about time management there? In my head, I want a timeout there because there's enough time if Rutgers scores, which teams normally do when they get down to the two yard line, you have time to get a drive before half. This was only a 10, nothing game. I was getting a Rutgers getting ball after halftime. I was surprised they didn't call a timeout there. I'm curious where you you were on this one. Drive. And I kind of went, yeah, went back, watch that whole last drive. And I think the mentality going into that was we don't want to give Rutgers a chance to either ensure they score and get some momentum going into that. Cause I don't, even, even if there was time left on the clock after that drive, I think they just, uh, we would have just kneeled it um, because trying to come out and just toss it up at the end. Cause even if we stop Rutgers down there, we're going 90 yards in, you know, 
less than a minute, well, 30 seconds. With, my, my thought process is with Bacos, though, you're going mm. for right? Certainly touchdown. I'm not, th- I'm thinking if you have 40 seconds, isn't this kind of why we have a passing quarterback now? Like I hear you. I, I'm not yeah. saying your perspective is wrong. I'm just thinking this is a great opportunity to try to get a field goal on the board. And if you should be able to do that against Rutgers with 40 seconds, I, I would think. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I get, I get where you're coming from. And I think it's a, it's a viable option, but I also think you can get in a situation where you end up killing momentum more than you have the possibility of gaining it. Um, the way the offense was kind of running there at the end, we weren't clicking consistently. I think they wanted to get to the half, talk things over and come out in the second half strong. Um, Cause what could also end up happening is we get the ball with 40 seconds left, something like that. We go three straight. You know, first and 10, second, 10, third and 10, we punt Rutgers get the ball back with 14 seconds left. They could get a chance to get a field goal. So, as much as you you like to be aggressive at the end of halves, you don't want to be in a situation where you're you could give the other team momentum on the backs of you trying to get momentum for yourself. So if it was at midfield, that would be different. Mm-hmm. Forcing them to punt, that would be very different. And, and I would for sure think that they would have taking the timeouts to force him to punt. Um, even, even if it was a farther, a longer situation, if it was at the 25 yard line, 30, just on the, on the fringe of the, of their kickers um, range, they would have taken timeouts, forced him to try to make the kick, get a negative play. And then, okay, now we've got 65, 70 yards. We can run three plays, get into field goal range. We can try it. But I think where they were on the field, and with the way the offense was working, the 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 risk reward management played in the favor of let's keep it safe. Let's just make sure we keep Rutgers out of the end zone because Rutgers weren't helping themselves. They were really grinding the clock. Um, mm-hmm. Like they had they had no sense of urgency in the entire game. It's and true. Even when they needed it, <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I think I think what they were trying they're basically is like letting Rutgers kill their own momentum. And what ended up happening is exactly what happened where the, the pass that we talked about all week that Wimsett was capable of making, he made and mm-hmm. Rico walks into the end zone. So it's a tough situation. You always want to be aggressive, but at the end of the day, you have to weigh the, the consequences of your aggressiveness. And if I was in the same situation as, as Luke Fickle, I probably would have done the same thing. Um, just keep them from scoring. That's that's where the focus is. Sucks to go to halftime with all your timeouts left. I, I am guilty of that a lot where I don't use my timeouts. Um, but if the game is working how you're expecting it to, you don't really think of timeouts. No, I think it's fair perspective. I think that fan that's I think it's a perspective fans and coaches will probably look at differently. Not to say one is more right than the other, but mm-hmm. I, I get the perspective of it for sure. Uh, I want to shift to here. Oh, by the way, that that those Rutgers fans that were upset with our Gavin Wimsett take never came back. Yeah, Shocking. I mean, it, it. I I will give them credit. It forced they forced me to watch him more because mm-hmm. I, I watched I watched two games. I watched the game against Michigan and I watched the game against Wagner to see what I could pick up, and I saw some key points in there. 
And what we said was true. Um, it wasn't a criticism of him. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't think they used him very well. And, or they didn't, they didn't maximize his potential. And yeah. they did, he did exactly what we thought they were going to do and played right into our hands. So yep. sometimes agree. it sucks being right, but unfortunately that's what we were. So, well, let's see if we can be right again with Iowa coming up. Um, I, we were talking before the show. To, I don't want to jinx it and I don't want to get crazy. This is as good as I feel about a Wisconsin Iowa game in years. And it's just, it's mostly because you already have a terrible Iowa offense and now you've taken you know, McNamara out, you put in Deacon Hill and there's no running threat from the quarterback. There's no accuracy. It's an inexperienced guy making his first start. We all know who Deacon Hill is. Yeah. I don't know how they move the ball at all against us. It's, it's staggering how bad, how inept Iowa is at offense. It's, they're so predictable. They're so bland and vanilla that even with Cade McNamara, they couldn't score. You know, I I made a point in uh, when I was doing my my Iowa preview uh, video this morning where Iowa got a big interception, returned the ball down to the two-yard line. I said the great thing about the Iowa offense is they turned that into a field goal. And they, I mean, I think they, I think there was a snap over the head on the next play and they lost a bunch of yards and they turned it into like a, a 27 yard field goal instead of a two yard touchdown. Um, what I really like about Iowa is they're, again, they're going to, they're going to force us to play with that kind of base personnel, that three, three, five, more the the bigger bodies, more of the guys who were, this defense was built on. Mm-hmm. Um, so offensively, what they can do plays right into our hands. Um, also, I guarantee you all those guys on defense who played against Deacon Hill as a scout team quarterback, know all his ins, ins and outs, and they know how to get in his head. Um, so defensively, I, th- this is the most confident I've been all year. Uh, because not only because of how bad Iowa is offensively in terms of, of schematics, but they play into what our sh- what we need to get better at and what we are better at defensively. It um, feels like it feels like Rutgers. It feels yeah. like a game where we're going to be more comfortable. Except you don't have a running threat at quarterback. And yeah. You have a yeah. more inexperienced, less athletic quarterback. Like I. I just – I don't see – they have, I don't understand how they're going to move the ball at all. I talked to the Lockdown Iowa guy. He's flummoxed by it. He doesn't know either. He said, take deep shots. Well, that's fine if you have a quarterback who can hit yeah. deep shots and a pass protection that can hold up. They have neither of those things. No. Deacon's got a big arm. He's a, We've always known that, but it's not very accurate. Um, he doesn't have great pass protection. I mean, he has really bad pass protection. And – Oh, what are they going to do? Are you going to grab the ball and just like chuck and duck? I mean, yeah, it, it's probably going to end up what's, ha- it's probably what's going to end up happening. And he'll probably have, I'll say this, he'll probably have a career day, not saying much, but he's going to have what Iowa fans are going to consider a good day. And that's more because we're going to shut down everything that Iowa's good at and force them to do things that they're not. And they're going to hit one, mm-hmm. you know, I was full of division one caliber, big 10 caliber athletes. They they'll make plays if given the opportunity. 
Iowa's coaching staff has not put in an opportunity to make very many plays, but it might happen. Um, but our defense versus their offense and then our offense versus their defense, we come out on top. They might be better. Their defense might be better than our offense, but our defense is way better than their offense. Something's got to give. And it's going to be an ugly slugfest probably. I hear the weather is supposed to be terrible. And, but yeah, this is not, this is not Iowa, you know, when they're going to play against Stanford in the Rose Bowl. This is a knockoff version. This this was kind of a knockoff version with a veteran quarterback. It's, yeah. it's just even worse with with Deacon Hill, right? Yeah. Um, I'm curious, wh- what is your score prediction here? Where do you see this going? I don't want to be too optimistic, so we'll try to we'll try to be calm here. I'm thinking something like 27 to 15. Something tells me Iowa's going to drive and have some drives stall, so maybe they kick three or four or five field goals, who knows. Um, they do enough, they do the right things defensively mm-hmm. that play into things that we're good at offensively. Uh, I saw some things, again, watching them play against Purdue and, and, and Penn State, where a lot of the key things that we like to do, I, I don't want to say is vulnerable at, but Purdue and Penn State were effective with it. Outside zone running, uh, the access throws quick stuff um, to the outside screens, et cetera. Those, those things are, are there and we're going to be able to do enough offensively to sustain drives and put enough points on the board. I I'm, would be confident in saying we'll probably get a, either a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown um, would be necessary to get to that 27 range, but yeah, 27, 15, 24 to 12, something like that. Ugly, you know, but at the end of the day, the only the only thing that matters is we have more points than them at the end of the game. I don't care if it's 14 to nine, whatever, as long as we beat them, put ourselves in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West um, and then get ready for Burt next week. What what a classic Big Ten West game in the final year of the Big Ten West. Yeah, yep. ugly in all the beautiful ways that the Big Ten West has been. Exactly. Uh, he is Coach Anderson. Coach, as always, where can people find? I watched um, your, your recap we were talking about a little bit on the Rutgers game. Where can people find what you're doing and your work and support you? Yeah, everything. Uh, like always uh, at the Dairy Raid, um, put a bunch of new videos this week on the YouTube. Uh, went through Iowa defensively this week and did a, did a breakdown of Penn State and Purdue's offense against Iowa's defense to kind of show two offenses that are similar to what we do and how they do it. Uh, also, Substack, um, working on a little bit of a Q&A thing right now. I've been getting some good questions. We're kind of getting a lot of the same ones. No, I'm not going to say we. if we had a chance, I'd bring Jim Leonard back, so stop asking me that question. So if anybody's interested in that, that's on Substack as well. And then I'm on Twitter as well, always there to interact with people. Love it, man. Uh, he has great, great content. I highly encourage everyone to go check it out. Maybe next time we just go live as well, Coach, and we can take some questions that way from people. Absolutely. Love it. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. On Wisconsin, he is Coach Anderson. I'm Ryan Herrings, Locked on Badgers. Let's go.